When I was in the gang, I quickly rose to the top because I was willing to do anything, anything. It included making people cry for mercy. It included hurting many people. I thought this was the way until I saw the light. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Lay. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution. God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Lay. Hi, this is Evangelist On Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Today, we're going to talk about the realities of being a top gang leader and what it does to the soul of a man. I've heard some say that evil is a social construct, that there is no evil nor good, just perspective. But today, we will have Michael Ochoterina, who was a captain of a well-known Mexican gang, and he's going to tell us the truth of what happens to your soul when doing the things it requires to get to the top. But don't worry, today you are hearing from a different Michael, where he has since repented and given his life over to Jesus Christ. And today he says, Jesus truly is the way. Let's listen to his story. Now, listener discretion is advised. The following things you're going to hear involve a lot of violence and disturbing events. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you doing today? Michael, man, you sound so nice. And I know you play a role in the movie where you use your old voice you had when you're in the gangs. It's the movie Running the Bases, and it's an amazing film. But honestly, when I was watching it, you scared me just <laughs> watching the film. I mean, it's pretty crazy, man. Thanks so much, brother, for coming and exposing the truth for us to hear what you experienced in your life. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your father, where I understand you have found well, like kind of a root of initial hatred and anger in your life from your father. Tell us about that. Yeah. My old self accounted all my problems and everything I went through in life. I pointed it towards my father. Interesting. My father left when I was two. My sister was one and always promised he was going to be around mm. for games, for school events, for birthdays, for Christmases. And in fact, it was lie after lie after lie. He never showed up. Never showed up. Oh, Me man. and my sister were left waiting left embarrassed mm -hmm. at times because we invited people. My dad's going to be there. so excited. And growing up in the 80s and 90s, more people had their fathers around. Wow. So to see other kids with their dads at games, with their dads at their birthdays, it really hurt. <sighs> it really hurt a lot. And oh. we tried like so many times to get his attention to do stuff so that he would be proud of us, mm. so that he would show up to anything that was related to us, me and my sister. And each time he chose drugs, drinking, and women above his own kids. Mm. Michael, basically as you're growing up, you really wanted to see your dad. Like you were almost fantasizing about your father visiting you like on your birthday, which he didn't show up. But then one time you visited him with your mom on his birthday, but something happened to your surprise that basically scarred you for life tell us what happened so me and my sister we grew up like with little means yeah every single dollar had to be accounted for because my mom was too proud to go on welfare and she worked three jobs my grandma cleaned houses wow so me and my sister we would go all over city have my grandma drive us around we'd find aluminum cans 
And all summer we collect cans. And I'm sure it wasn't enough and my mom put in some extra money, but we got this sterling silver necklace with a bear claw in it. And I was so proud because I was going to give it to my dad. We took it. He was drinking on his birthday with his friends and he got mad because we showed up and said we ruined his birthday. Oh. He threw the present on the street that me and my sister had worked so hard to attain. Oh, my gosh. And normal kids get sad, but I think that's where I started with the hatred. Interesting. I mean, tell me a little bit about it, Michael. So, like, here you are. You show up. I mean, you're just child who has so much hope. You're like, I'm coming to him, so for sure I'm going to see him. Yeah. And, like, you see him, and you're expecting to be like, wow, son, you know, you guys did this for me. I appreciate this so much, but instead, he just got angry. He blamed you guys. He was like, why are you guys always trying to mess up my life or something like that, right? Yeah, he was drunk too. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And he took your gift right in front of you and threw it in the street and was like, I don't want it. Yeah, we had worked all summer to attain. Oh, my gosh. You don't understand, like, I guess how proud I was that I had worked so hard to get this for him. And he doesn't understand how much I just wanted him to love me. Oh, man. You know what, Michael? That, I bet, really is ministering to someone right now who's listening to that. I understand that you lived your life trying to get your father's approval, especially from that day forth. And it was kind of like this uphill battle. And you had this plan because you knew that your father was a certain way, that if you were better at that, you would one day get his approval. Tell me about what you were thinking when you were growing up. So basically, I'd heard stories from my uncles and my aunts, my grandma, my mom, and many other people that my dad was one of the best fighters, never lost a fight. Wow. He was respected and feared by others. He prided himself in that. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like if I became a better fighter, if I became a bigger, tougher, badder person, maybe my father would love me. Wow. Basically, I went a wrong path. I had the love at home from my mom and my grandma, but I felt I needed to achieve this persona to get my father to love me. Wow. And I started hanging around gang members. Oh. And they showed me respect and love that I thought I needed. Interesting. Now, I understand that you were very violent and angry as a young man, that even before you got into gangs, you started becoming the biggest, baddest person at school, causing problems all over the place, you know, trying to be this respected person was the real key thing. Yeah. When you got older, you were invited to join a Mexican gang. Now, why did you join the gang at the time? What about that appealed to you? Besides just the respect and stuff like that, did they seek you out? Did you seek them out? So this was before the Mexican gang. This was a regular street gang, and I fought a lot in school. I had not just my father, but I just had anger, and I feel at the time that was the root of the problem, and I had all this Mm. anger, and people would tell me stuff, or people would make fun that my dad wasn't around, and oh, you know what I mean? Oh, dude. They called me Ocho. They were like, here's Ocho without his dad, you know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. So people would just rub that in, and that was like a really soft... Like in the 80s and 90s, you know... That was the type of bullying, you know what I mean? And I wasn't going to have it because I had already vowed I was going to be the biggest, baddest, toughest. So here I am, this skinny little kid, and I was beating up kids that were twice my size. Oh, my gosh. I was always getting called in the office. I was always getting called for being in trouble. And basically, it just led on where eventually the right people notice you. I got noticed, and all the ones I thought were cool and that I looked Mm -hmm. up to were involved in this gang. And so... So I got jumped in. 
Wow. They beat you up and you like that because like, you know, in that gang, you had to be tough enough to be jumped, like, which means like you're going to get beat the snot out of by everyone in the gang. And if you could do that tough enough, then you'd be able to join them. You like that idea because you were like, hey, this is me. This is my persona. I am really tough, guys. This is my persona. This was who I created. I see. I was no longer Mikey. I was Ocho. Oh, wow. So it became like an identity change. It became a whole identity thing where I was going to be this tough person that nobody could be. Everyone would fear me. Everyone would love me because I had a twisted view of what love was at that time. So you became the great Ocho. I became Ocho. Oh my gosh. So you advanced in the ranks of the gangs fast, I understand. Oh yeah. Now, how does one advance in gangs? Did you ever like have your conscience try to stop you during this time? Tell me a little bit about that. No, because they make you feel important. They make you feel like you are family. They make you feel like Mm. they'll always have your back and they'll always be there for you. Mm. And I was the type of person that if I was told to do something, I would do it without question. No matter how bad it was, you mean, and how mean it was? Oh, yeah. They would go go pick up this money from the sky and get it any way you can because they owe me drug money. I would go do it. They would say, stand in the corner, sell these drugs. I would do it. If they said, go beat up that guy, that kid or that guy because they're talking about us or they're snitching. I would do it. Wow. And because I was unafraid, because I had no conscience, basically, I got raised pretty high in that life. Now, how did you make people fear you as you started going along? What were you willing to do that others weren't? Like some extreme things. Just name a few of them. So, basically, I always carried a gun with me. They provided me with a gun. Wow. And I would threaten people with a gun. As a teenager, I was sticking guns down people's mouths and threatening them. Yikes. I would beat them to almost the point of them going to the hospital. I had no qualms about anything I did, and I loved what I did. Michael, let's stop there because that's crazy that you're the same person I'm interviewing now. Now, I know you conveyed the past well as you're the person who got a tattoo of the gang name on your face because you are the top leader. In the movie, Running the Bases, I saw you and man, it's a pretty scary looking character. Guys, you need to go see that scene in the prison where Michael's the main antagonist in the jail cell. And man, it's straight up scary. I'm not going to lie. Check it out. Running the Bases, depending on where you're listening on this broadcast, it will be playing at a theater or will be on DVD. Such a good movie. Michael, we'll see you on our next show. Thank you. Running the Bases. Hang on. Let's dissect what you just heard right after the break. Listen, my friend, you are in a spiritual battle, and there's a spiritual battle right now for the soul of our nation. The Bible says we overcome the power of the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimonies. And friend, I need your help spreading this show to all 50 states all across the USA, and that takes money to broadcast in each city. You can help by being a stable monthly giver of our ministry, Awakening the Nations. We are a ministry who's committed to preaching the gospel all across the world. Partner by going to awakeninthenations.com, and we believe America shall be saved. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at awakeningthenations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's awakeningthenations.com or 877-480-4477. More real life starts now. Welcome back to the show. We're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? To me, it changes the storyline of how Michael was a criminal 
And normally society would just condemn the man and think he's like just this weird person. But you can see Michael's black heart was created by a dad who didn't fulfill his fatherly duty. And in his drunkenness, used his words to drive a stake of bitterness into his own son's heart. Honestly, I think in life, men often view themselves as insignificant. Almost as if the positive things they do don't make an impact, but then neither do the negative ones. But let me speak to the fathers who are listening if you're a father. You have a moral duty to fulfill to your kids. Your job is to provide love, cherish them, spend time with your children, and provide for them. You are a huge answer to our society changing in a positive way. You might say, I don't know how to do that. I was never given that myself. Well, good news is you have access to your Heavenly Father to really know what a good father is. The father you've always been looking for. So Father God, I'm praying for the person who's saying, gosh, Lord, I'm in this father role and I don't know how to play it. And I need a good father myself. It's written in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Jesus, we want to go through you to know Father God so that God can become our father and we can be fathered correctly with love in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony and I know that your life was touched. If you want to know more about us or to make a tax-deductible donation, please check us out at AwakeningDonations.com. That's AwakeningDonations.com. See you next time.